You are now tuned in to Music, Men, and My Mental with your host, C. Devone, attacking all things career, relationship, and your overall health. Trifecta. Let's get to it. Let's start the show. Okay. And thank you for tuning in to Music, Men, and My Mental, where we discuss all things your career, relationships, and your overall health. Oh, yes, we are still in quarantine, day 3,685. <laughs> I don't know what day it is anymore, um, but listen, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. I don't get a chance to say that enough, and normally I would start with this homework where I would say, like, you should do this this week, and the reality of it is I just want everyone to be kind to themselves and to just take it one day at a time. And even though we are discussing your career, your relationships, and your health, right now for me, I am finding some balance with, you know what? I am eating the bread. I'm eating some of these carbs. But like I said before, I do have some training Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with a small group of people. So I am not, you know, there's some things that just give me a little satisfaction. And it may be in the form of bread right now. It may be in the form of wine and cheese. So, (laughs) you know, it's all right. Just have grace with yourself. That's what's important right now. Okay, so I am so excited to share a beautiful guest on this show today. Like, you are in for such a treat. I wish she was in person to, like, really, really... Right, you know, because she just has the most amazing energy. I got a chance to see her do um, a TED Talk, basically, at the Great Girlfriends Conference. And when I tell you, she rocks it, you know, and not only because she is basically artist development and performance expert, you are artist yourself and an author. Now, this is, she is an author of her book, The Cave. The, the, the Rose Effect. We're not saying the whole thing, mm-hmm. okay? So, introducing KJ Rose and her new book, The Rose Effect. Woo! Yes. <laughs> Thank you so Great much. to have that those was uh, applause um, effect come in. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I'll do it. We'll get some intro music. I normally have my intro music. Best. Yes, she does come out with the intro music, <laughs> the dance, and, yes. and everything. And you even... You did it for me one day, I remember? Did, I did. I was, and I was like, what is she about to do? I thought you were about <laughs> to come out with dancers and singers, and I was just in for a treat. Uh, so you know what? I need to stop talking. Let's talk about you. Introduce yourself, what you do, all things great, KJ Rose. Ah, uh, thank you, the lovely DJC. Um, <laughs> I'm KJ Rose. I am an artist development and performance expert. Um, I, have, I have started as an artist, a vocal artist. So I always say we're all artists. Let me start there. Anybody that's listening to this, you are an artist. And wherever you occupy your space, that is your stage. So I was a vocal artist and now I am a performance artist. And so I started singing. I lived in New York for over 15 years um, from Chicago, went to college in Tallahassee, Florida, FAMU. And from there, I remember being at my line sister's house, uh, Dove Sigma shout out. Um, <laughs> and um, one of her good friends is a guy named uh, Big John Platt. And, and John at the time was working for EMI, but he's now um, with, um, he's the CEO and chairman of Sony ATV Music Publishing. And while we're at the party, everybody's like, you need to sing for John. And I was like, nope, I am not a clown. I don't just sing on the spot. And before I knew it, he was like, well, I leave tomorrow. And I was like, you don't know her. And so, (laughs) and so he put me together with some um, managers, Dave Nelson and Erskine Isaac, when I moved to New York. By day in New York, I was working for Pfizer. And by night, I was at any open mic I could find. And my first professional credit um, came by way of Heavy D and Tony Dofat, uh, D.O. I sang a song called Big Daddy on his album. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, I went to Big and I sang on Play a Hater. And then from there, Mason. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> 
First of all, you yes. look 10. So I am. I this, was. This, I was like 15 when I started. Thank you. I'm a, Thank listen, you. I'm about to drink some collagen water right now looking at you. Goodness gracious. I was a young gal. I was a young gal when that happened. Um, and so it just, uh, it really prepared me because I sang for a lot of rappers. A-Z, A-plus, um, Mace, uh, you Dead Prez. You went back to A-plus. You said A- I did. You went down the alphabet to A-Z, I which I freaking love. And then to A-plus. Because when I go in my iTunes, that's the first song that always comes yes! up. A-plus because it just goes in alpha order. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So I was the, myself and Kelly Price um, and a lot of other background singers that were singing hooks back then before the, before it became popular for rappers to sing themselves, right? <laughs> right. And so now we're like, hey, what about us? And so I remember um, I was introduced to Kelly Price by a friend named Eric Payton. Um, and he just said, why don't you drop by the studio? And uh, it was late one night. I think I had just left 34th Street, and I was just like, okay, I'll come. I feel like all my great opportunities happen late at night, right? So heavy D, when I got the call, it was 11.30 p.m. I went from Brooklyn to Midtown. Um, and then this night, I mean, it was more like 9.30, and then I just went to the studio. I never sang for Kelly. We just talked. We just kind of chopped it up. A week later, she asked me to go on tour with Puff. And I took a leave of absence from my job. I toured with Puff for three months. Uh, Carl Thomas was there just really like as a, as a great mentor then and helping me to kind of get past like this level of stage fright and totally optimize my level of performance. Um, and so it was just such a great experience to do what you love um, and then get paid for it. I mean, like that was the bonus. And so once I left, once that tour was over, I think, you know, I'm from Chicago, so we are a little ways from, like, the bright lights of Hollywood and Broadway in New York. And so, you know, it was like, I was like, whoo, I did it. I'm safe. I still have a job. And so I didn't feel totally comfortable and have the level of confidence I needed then, or courage for that matter, to be able to just leave my job at the time. So I worked really for another two years at Pfizer, and I remember... I just felt like I wasn't giving 100% to any one thing. I felt like I was like, I see you out here trying, but in order to get the results you're looking for, you may have to put a little bit more work and I was straddling the fence. And so I, I remember like coming to a music conference in Palm Springs and driving back with my sister CJ. And um, I was like, it's time. Like if I want to truly see results, I think God needs to see me jump first um, and before anything. And so I remember giving my two week notice and within the first week, I got a call to go overseas with Puffy. Wow. And that for me was, I think, a testament to um, just really God saying, you jump, I'll catch. Woo. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it can't work the other way. It can't, you can't be afraid to jump and it can't catch you without you jumping. And so that started my, my touring career. And from, um, from Diddy, we went to Carl Thomas's, uh, tour. I toured with him for about two years from him. I stalked all the people at Jive Records, Jeff Sledge, Aaron Simon, so that I could go out with Britney Spears. At one point, Britney and Justin Timberlake had the same management. So then I popped over to Justin and then Justin and Janet had the same management. I popped over to Janet and then just started touring. And, you know, after a while, I mean, I worked with Monica. I worked with, um, um, you know, some other really great dope performers. But after a while, I had to assess what part of me um, was still in a learning phase. And then what part of me had found a hiding place. Ooh. Okay. We start. We just came out with the big guns. <laughs> Wow. You know? And so how did, okay, because so, you were doing mostly vocals for people? Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did this translate to artist development? Right. Okay. So um, after being on the road, it was great, you know, but like I said, I realized that um, I also wanted to put out my own album. I had collected the information. It was a great kind of training ground for me, but I was just like, okay, there'll always be a need for background singing, but I don't want you to do this because you have now put yourself in a position where you have no other choice. If this is a choice, make it, but if it's not, move, you know? And so from there, I start, I left the road because also you realize that as great as it is, as grand as it is, that your career is predicated on when somebody else works. 
you know? And I was like, I need to control this thing a little bit better. And so I ended up working at Clive, um, at J Records for Clive Davis. I started out as the nighttime receptionist because I really just wanted to, um, be in the studio during the day and then work from, I think it was five to nine um, at J Records. And then after maybe a month or two, they asked if I would work with Clive directly. Initially, I was like, nah, I'm good. I like my time. I'm straight. And then I just started thinking about it. And with some convincing of CJ again, I was like, you know what? No matter what area of business I decide to venture into, the amount of like, you know, business savvy, the amount of information that I would get from him is so invaluable. And so I was just like, so I got to do it. But I never told him that I sang. And so again, that was another, I was just like, you know what? I know it makes, it makes him, sense because you don't want him to, yeah, no, and that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I wanted him to respect me for the job I was hired for. So then maybe later down the line, it would open up a door for a new conversation. And so that was, again, I was a student. I was collecting information for every apple I cut, tea I poured, message I wrote down. I was walking in and asking him a question about music. Why did you choose this as a single? You know, why is this, you know, your favorite artist or, you know, not favorite artist, but why did you sign this artist? And so it was like, I wanted to make sure that it was a, there was a, a duality here. There was a two-way street here of everybody winning. You get the work, I get the information. And so after a while, I was just like, okay, I think maybe it's time for me to make another pivot, right? I was hoping that one day he would catch me in the kitchen singing and I would get a record deal, but it never did. And so I was like, so, but what made um, the experience with him so much so much sweeter is that he learned about my singing endeavors when I had to take him in a two-week notice again that said I was going on tour with Janet Jackson. Wow. So imagine he doesn't even have any inkling that I have a desire to sing. And then in that moment, it was just like, oh my God, does everybody know where Kiana's going? <laughs> She's going to dance with Janet. I was like, sing. She's going to <laughs> Like it was such a departure from our like, you know, past, very stoic, but yet, you know, very, um, you know, kind exchanges. But it was like now I didn't even know he could pronounce my name that clearly. And um, it allowed us to have kind of like this soft relationship where I could still send him music and get his feedback. And I saw him. Um, one of the ARs who was at J Records was Larry um, Jackson and John Amon, who were both just so good with listening to my music and giving me direction. But I talk a lot about that in the book about how we may not be in positions or in um, places that we believe or we can see right away is going to lend itself to our end goal. But the importance of honoring that present space is, is so like, for me, it was so imperative because it allowed me to build relationships there. It allowed me to gather information um, from like every department that lended itself that I didn't even know was lending itself towards me in artist development. Right. And so even sitting in that position, um, a good friend of mine, Carolyn Williams, was working in marketing. And, you know, it's funny because it's like in my mind, I was like, please love my music. But they were like, we like your performance. Can you come and coach some of our, our artists? So I'm working in Clive Davis's office and the first opportunity I get as a performance coach, and I'm sure maybe there were some other times, but I had not named it, right? I'd probably given advice, but I had not looked at it as kind of this art form, you know? But when I look back at people like Frank Gatson and um, the, the A&R and creative directors in Motown, you know, who were very just like instrumental in making the lyrics and the song come alive and giving it emotion and making sure that uh, you tell a compelling story. Like I had been kind of doing that, but my first time really clearly seeing this is what I'm stepping into was when I started working with artists at J Records. And, um, and that's when I was like, okay, but let me make sure that I still don't want this artist thing. If this right, artist thing, right, you right, know, right. that's a hard thing to do as a person yeah. who's been there and done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, so when I was at J Records, I realized that I could do both. 
Like it doesn't take away one thing, right? It, it let me continue to work on that while I, you know, build my skill set and hone my craft in this other thing. But I'm going back now to this kind of split focus. Um, and so after, but I wanted to complete the assignment, and that for me was just put out the album of all the producers and the the writers and the singers for my shows who have committed and contributed to me, at least let their, let's not let their work be in vain. So complete the assignment. So I finished the album. Um, after, so I went out with Janet, I came back, then I worked for AMC Networks at, in original programming at Sundance TV. I, you, you just <laughs> been, you just show up at the right place in the right time. <laughs> let me tell you, that was supposed to be a two week, um, assignment as a temporary um, employee. I ended up there for six years. Wow. Yeah, because you know what? I think I the president and just the spirit of the company, they were all about celebrating the independent artist. And so I think they gave, I didn't have to hide this other part of me. They gave me the permission to be as bold with it as, as I needed to be. <clears throat> and so um, while working there, again, I was able to uh, honor all of my places, all of the departments, you know, so, uh, uh, Kelly may have worked in, um, uh, corporate marketing, but Kelly was also great with, um, ideas on, on how to target different audiences. And, uh, my friend Yvette was the assistant to somebody, but she was also a stylist and a, you know, and so like, I just made sure that everybody I was around, like I was just going to pick their brain and get information. So that helped me put together my album. It was called All Heart, No Regrets. I toured on the weekends. And then I was, I was like, okay. Then when, when that was over, I was like, okay, you did that. You don't need 10 albums to be an artist, you know, but while I was waiting, while I, what really triggered me to put the album out was, uh, besides like my brother, who's always been supportive, who's like, you got great songs, let's go. I also got a call from Rhymefest, who's from Chicago, who was like, when are you putting your music out? And I was like, ah, oh, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be right. And he was like, but you're only as perfect as, as this moment. Like tomorrow is a different moment. There'll be a new, a new iteration of you, you know, and you're only as perfect as this moment. So why don't you put out something so that there's something to grow from? You can't have an album number two without an album number one, you know? And so let that be how you just start. And it was, it was so brilliant of him to say that because that's when I put out the album. And then after that, I was like, all right, Lord, what, what is next? Cause it took me 10 years to even validate myself as a singer to say that I was good enough to even put it out. So now I'm exhausted. I put it out and now, I'm, now I am exhausted. You know, you know, that's a great point because, um, well, I think it goes back to di people's different learning patterns and how they value things in their life. I'm a person that's like, put out the podcast, figure it out. You know what? Who cares if there's no sales and there's no listeners? Just put it out, put out good quality, put your all into it, put good passion into it. But there's people who like, you know, they will wait 10 years in order for it to be perfect. Then the placement is right. And, you know, it gets the right press and all of these things. And I'm like, I rather have a year of fixing it out than like it having to be perfect. And it just goes to show like how people do things, you know, <laughs> and I don't know which one is right or wrong, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Just just went to that story, but that's super crazy that you, um, as a person who pushes people to be their best now, that you had that story of like taking this time and helping everyone yeah. else and not yourself, and then yep. just deciding. I mean, so you just were at the right place, the right time, and someone yeah. said, "Hey, can you work with these artists?" And then, yep. <laughs> and it made sense then because then I understood that I wasn't doing. Um, this in lieu of something not working out, right? Because then you're just bitter about it. Mm -hmm. But I knew at that time that it was a natural progression mm -hmm. of my career. And now, you know, after like having a spiritual coach, shout out to Coach Samuel, um, uh, to understand that the artist in me was the talent, but the assignment was the coach, you know? And and they they are not mutually exclusive like they are so connected like i would not be able to speak the language of the artists that i work with had i not been 
that artist, the vocal artist. And so I believe that it, it was all necessary and that it allows me to have kind of a complete 360 view on how to approach, you know, new artists and every day. And so it's like, I understand that I'm assigned to these artists, that I'm not meeting any of these artists just by happenstance. So it really like has given me kind of like the, the reinforcement that I've needed, you know, to kind of move forward and being an artist development uh, mm. coach and expert. Yeah. So with some of the artists that you have been working with now, like in the mm. most recently, it's just crazy because like, I've seen the little Nas X I've seen. I mean, and you are, uh, a, you have Grammys. One. Just one. Hey, listen, <laughs> there's a Grammy. There's a Grammy. So wait, so w w what do you have a Grammy for? Well, he got a Grammy, which mm -hmm. makes me Grammy award winning. Okay. So we got a Grammy for the video. The video. Which right, was what right, I worked right, on. Right, 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 right. I didn't know if it yeah, was so from got, another artist or not. Yeah. His, the exact title, mm -hmm. which is why I, I hold it so high is, um, best video performance. Boom. <laughs> Grammy. Bam. Boom. That's what I do. Yes. And so, yeah, it was just, it, to me, it's funny just how God works because when I first imagined, you know, my career, it was like, you know, the goals were, I'm going to be a prolific writer and then I'm going to get all the awards and I'm going to get a Grammy and then I'm going to get a Tony, whatever it is. But I just thought, you know, in my mind, I thought that I was going to take a certain route there and then God had a whole nother route that still counted, right? But it was bigger than me, you know? So the route that I ended up taking was a route that served someone else and not just myself. And so I'm just like, I'm really grateful to have gotten that, that lesson. And so now I understand that I am in the service business and my job is to help other people uh, identify what their force is, is to help them, you know, take up as much space as they can, is to help them access areas that they didn't even know existed, areas that may have been lying dormant, you know, power and gifts that are lying right there that they don't even, they've not tapped into, right? And when I work with the artist, I'm never like, I'm never there to fix anybody, you know? So I have to kind of reshape how and shift how people receive me. Because if you don't know, if you haven't seen the work, it's like, oh, she represents someone saying to me, what I've been doing is all wrong and she's going to make it right. And I represent, when I come in, it is what you've been doing has been working. However, I just wanna take you beyond your perceived capacity. I just wanna take you higher, that's it, you know? And so I think once you kind of disarm, you know, the artists so that they know that you're not, you're not there to, to pick them apart, you're merely there to help them rediscover themselves, reconnect with what they already have. Right. That maybe along the way, either they've been holding on to a narrative that didn't serve them or they've been holding on to a narrative that someone else told them right. that still doesn't serve them. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so that is my my goal and, and my mission every time I walk into a room with an artist. So how does that translate to everyday life? Because that's what I wanted the topic to kind of be about today was like the world is your stage, like for the everyday person, like us showing up and like living this life that is sort of a performance. Like you have to show up, you have to be, uh, you have to have a strategy. You have to have a game face, even though we have emotions and, you know, things come naturally. Like how can we be the best performance, you know, the best performer in this life, especially dealing with something like COVID Corona, um, like I wanted to really talk about that. And then of course I would, I know you have, um, your book and I wanted to touch on that next, but like, how can you translate, you know, from the artist to the everyday person, like just being yeah. the best version of themselves and giving their best performance? Yeah, no, that's so important because that's where I start. Um, it is people, I work with humans. It's people who are in, any discipline, you know, of, of work, of art. And my job is really to help people, just to reintroduce people to uh, themselves, to their gifts. And I talk a lot about 
what your force is, right? Because if you understand your force, because everybody can have talent. Always say that. You know, talent is subjective. What you think is talent, somebody else may not think is talent. And so we've got to figure out what are those other things that we have. So what else do you have is something I always say. What else you got besides the talent? Figure out what your thing is. And before people could see my talent, they saw how relentless I was. I was going to get this job, right? I was going to persist until it happened. And so it's first identifying what you offer. You know, it's before you get on any stage, the job is to figure out internally, what do you think about yourself? What do you like about yourself? What are your strengths? Because you got to start there. And if you don't have it, if you have nothing to say, nobody else has it. Can it really speak on your behalf? So in this time of, you know, whether you live alone or live amongst people, there's still some time of stillness. And I just um, implore people to sit and figure out what they represent first and foremost. Because once you know your force, I know my force is a measurable energy right? Immeasurable energy combined with persistence. We're going to, I'm going to make sure we get this job done to the very end. And so, um, and, and I also know, you know, it's being, you know, relentless. And so that is how I move forward. And that is how I am able to attain new opportunities. And I've told most of my clients that the opportunities are, I, I've been getting is not because it's been magic. It's not because someone's like, oh my God, you have so much talent. You are our girl. It's because I have shaken them down. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. You know, it's like, for me, it is, I will not let you, I can't give you room to forget that I exist. Ooh. I just won't. I won't give you Ooh, that, say that, for the, that space. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> I cannot allow I, myself to give you room to forget that I exist. And so in my persistence, Thank you guys you know, for and, tuning in. We don't need to hear anymore. I mean, for real, that's impactful. Impact. You know, I mean, just to, to give you a, a real story on, on how that um, uh, has translated in my life to results. Uh, I'll start with um, Chasing Destiny with Kelly Rowland. I saw that in the trades. I immediately reached out to Stephen Hill, who's an executive at BET, and Frank Gatson, right? And so this is another, um, I would say, piece of advice for people um, right now that may be sitting home and, and feel, you know, a little bit of despair. You know, sometimes people can only see us through one lens. And that is not to be taken personally, Right. They only know what they know. Come on. They only know what they know. And your job is to continue to be, continue to make sure that they know you exist in a different form until they get it. And if they don't, you keep rocking. And so I think a lot of times we take things personally, you know, where, you know, people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, we see you, girl. And I'm like, no, no, you don't see me yet, but that's okay. I'm not mad at you because that's not your responsibility. You know, it's my responsibility to keep making sure that I remind you of who I am, what I'm doing by just being it. We talk a lot about what we are, but we, we don't do it, right? I'm a singer. When did you sing last? I'm a writer. When did you write last? I'm a dancer. This is the time to start doing all of that work. And so basically I started June of 2015 emailing or I would see, I would know an event is happening. I would see Frank at the event. i you know, kind of make another deposit. Hey, I need to be on the show. I need to be with Kelly, my friend Lynn Scott, friends with her. I need you to put a word in. I need to be on the show. And so it took between, and, and this became my regimen. Get up, brush your teeth, call your mama, call Frank and, and Steven. You know, so it was like, it was, it was nothing. I, and I think a lot of times we interpret it as we're sweating them. Or, you know, it's a very ego-driven thing that we're just like, oh, you're not going to, you know, play me like that. But at the end of the day, it's not personal. It's not personal. Imagine that there are thousands, millions, billions of people all trying to get to the same position. And the reason I say you got to figure out what your force is and what else you got is because you've got to differentiate yourself from the next person. What are you offering? What are you bringing? Why do you care? Why should we care? 
So that is the work that I want people to do where they sit, where they stand right now. Because once you know that, and I, I softly stalked them from June of 2015 to January of 2016, when they finally called and said, hey, come meet Kelly, right? And, and if I really go deeper, there was someone else they wanted, but I knew they wanted me, you know? They, and, but that person wasn't available. And so I think if we take the ego out of it, of thinking that someone else is, um, means us harm, um, or someone hasn't called us back, it's those simple things, right? Or someone didn't give us the attention we had hoped. It doesn't matter. Like you've got to keep walking. It's not about them. And sometimes the way you interpret it is so much different than the way it is. You know what I've always said? It's people are busy. And when you get busy, you'll respect their busy mm. and you'll just keep calling, you know? And so it was like, in order to get one of a lot of my, you know, testimonials for the book, um, I started talking and reaching out to people months in advance, right? Some people didn't even respond to the day the book was supposed to go in or till after the book was published, you know, but it was like, I didn't take it personally. I would just every now and then send a little gentle nudge. Hey, just checking in. Maybe I can help you a little bit. Here's a, a one-liner that I help you start How in, in saying how dope I am. Can you, do you need help? You know, so I just take it back to the basics. Number one of releasing the, the expectation you have on everybody else Ooh, and just do wee. the work. It's Ooh. just, you do your releasing work. Releasing the expectation that you have Nobody on everyone else. Yeah. Mm. Nobody owes us anything. You know, I was, um, when I was singing for Heavy D on the song, I was invited to be in the video in LA. And I got to the set and they were like, there's nothing for you to do here. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. But I'm the girl who sang on the hook. There's something for me to do. They're like, no. Mm -mm. So literally I had to turn around and go back to New York. Oh, wait, wait, you, oh. Okay, you came yeah. there to be in the I video. I came to LA to be in the video. So you know I was Oh, I'm pissed because I'm like, oh, I'm not hurting. good enough. Oh, wait. Was, hold on. Where's Heavy? Come hold, come, come, a little closer. Come on. The overweight lover said that I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be. But the executives, the powers that be, I ended up, I really believe, being kind of a casualty of whatever kind of discourse they were having. And so the next two weeks, within the next two weeks, I got a call to be on the remix. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm good. Mm -mm, nope. First time, shame on you. The next time, shame on me. No, thank you, sir. I'm good. I'm going to stay right over here. Right? And because that was all ego. That was all hurt. That was all, you know, me thinking that, you know, I got played. But at the end of the day, nobody sat there and said, Kiana, you are whack. Kiana does not need to be in this video, you know? And so what I realized was that if you don't do it, somebody else will. So how much of, how much credence are you going to give to these hurt feelings, right? When you can be the girl who sang twice, you can have an opportunity for the world to hear your voice one more time. And once I understood that nobody owes you anything, Right? You weren't even expecting to be on the song, nor were you expecting for it to be a single. So every door, every um, opportunity, every yes, every call is a bonus because nobody owes it to us. And so once I kind of shifted my thinking, it allowed us to have a beautiful uh, working relationship. And I, I look back and that would have been a huge regret had I allowed my emotions and you know me in a place to take this personally to really like dictate how I moved because a lot of times what happens um at 355 that we're so mad at but there's a whole other opportunity waiting for you at 405 but you can't see it because you're still mad about what happened at 355 so you missed out mm -hmm. right so if you I mean the minutes are turning so we I've learned we got to recover faster we got to recover from the hurt faster. We've got to forgive ourselves for decisions that we've made that did not serve us. And so that is, is how I, it's the internal work that we have to do right now in the midst of this stillness 
right? A lot of us may not be self-starters. Mm-hmm. So this is when you got to push yourself, encourage yourself. This is when you figure out what you are, are made of. What is your force? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Is singing? Is dancing? Is acting really what you want to do? Was that somebody else's dream? Was, was that really yours? Because mm-hmm. if it's yours, you don't need nobody to, to push you. It's great to have, mm-hmm. but you can start on your own. You know, and so I, um, that's what I would, I would tell people in terms that, you know, it, it's not just the performance on the traditional stage. It's the performance on the life stage. It's all of the internal, internal work that you do so that the external expression is, is truthful and is explicit and it's yours and that you own every part of it. And you're never asking permission to tell your story. We should never be timid about telling our story, but you got to know it and you have to have resolved things in it. You have to know <laughs> your story. That was it. That was really, that was it. Because sometimes, and cause I was going to say, you know, sometimes people have, um, you know, and, and I've been there before you have this kind of issue, like with really your three, thir- you know, your 32nd pitch or like, you know, well, I'm a DJ and a podcaster and I work in events and I cook and um, I'm a great uh, botanist, you know, what, whatever, you know, and it's like, they're like, oh my gosh, what do you do again? And they try to go to what's most attractive um, if they want to even continue the conversation or uh, right. sometimes people just want whatever interests them one or what you can do for them. Oh my gosh, I've been looking for a DJ. For me, a story that... I don't share a lot is I used to sing. And then when I became a DJ, yeah, I used to sing. I used to write and I I still love to write songs Mm -hmm. and I don't do it anymore because once I became a DJ, I was more quote unquote appealing and more interesting Mm. because there were not a lot of female DJs. It was super hard to be a DJ just because it was, the equipment was so expensive and, you know, carrying the records and the turntable Serato was just like really, you know, Oh, okay, everyone uses Serato, but you had to have the box. You had to have no, no, a lot of clubs did not have turntables unless you were in the big clubs, you know? So it was, it was a challenge, you know? So, um, I used to, you know, at first say, Oh, I'm a singer, but I DJ. Oh, you're a DJ. People would just catch on to that. Ah, so So I decided that I was just a DJ and then people became attracted to Cedavone the DJ and not yeah. Cedavone the singer. And now yes. I look back and I always say, dang, I could have been writing songs this whole time and dropping my own songs in there while I was DJing, a.k.a. Yeah. the Calvin Harris's, the Diplos, all of the other DJs that basically, you know, create and produce. But um, right. it goes that I didn't really know my story. I was still cultivating that story. I didn't know. I was kind of just you know what this is working for me and and it doesn't take away that i truly do love djing it makes me happy yeah. even when i am not really inspired to dj give me 10 minutes i am when i go on my lives now you know we're in this virtual um yeah. events in live in an yeah. hour i am sweating from head to toe because <laughs> i am so amped up so excited how you doing out there come and go to prince let's go you know and um it just goes to show i mean you're just nailing so many things on the head right now which goes into so we have this eight principles you have right is in your book but i want to go into like let's just go into like a few maybe like three or four as far as um so first tell us what the book is about because i i know but everyone else who's listening should know about it right (laughs) okay so the book basically share in this book i share a few anecdotal stories about my uh journey navigating the corporate industry as well as the music industry um each story is kind of a um an expression of whether it be a challenge or a triumph, but it leads me to the lesson that uh, came out of that experience. And then at the end of each chapter, there's an actionable piece for the reader, right? So um, I'll just give a little bit of one chapter. It's called From Shame to Significance. And it talks about, I'm gonna give you the edited version because you gotta read it, but it talks about how I wrote this song called A Better Way 
going through a very tough time. It was, so I wrote it from a space of shame and feeling unloved and disappointed and sad. And nine years later, I meet someone that says, hey, do you have any music to contribute to a project that I'm working on? Her name is Shannon. I was standing there with a friend, Rochelle, because my response was like, I got nothing. The girl was like, but you wrote a whole album. I was like, yeah, like nine years ago, who cares? Like, so I was dismissing it myself, right? And so I was in my mind, I was like, and I'm so much better. I'm a better writer than that time. And let me write you something I've evolved. And they were basically like, uh, oh, we ain't got time for your evolution. Can you just send us what you can? <laughs> and so I was like, duly noted. So I sent them this song that ended up on Oprah's own network on Queen Sugar only to be in a scene that now spoke about love and, and, and trust and commitment and all things that feel good. So within 52 seconds of um, feeling and looking at the scene, which was such a pivotal scene, my connection to the song had shifted, right? And so it told me a few things, which I'll read um, to you right now. It said to me, Number one, that God can redeem time and that we can never take things and disqualify them as old because God can make them new again. Um, and so don't let any idea, any thought, any body of work that you believe in go to waste. Write it down, take a break, revisit it, and then finish it. We disqualify ourselves from great opportunities because we believe that it's our job to figure out where it will land and how it will be perceived. However, our only job is to honor the art, honor the work and detach ourselves from the end result. We must trust that it will land safely. And so then their, it, their homework becomes name five projects. It can be a song, a poem, a dance, a script, a monologue, a thesis, an idea, anything that you've left incomplete. And now let's go and choose one to complete. And it's really about just helping you get through the journey of reconnecting with things that you've dismissed, uh, parts of yourself you've dismissed, um, give more credence to things that exist that you have not been walking fully in. Um, and it's just to agitate areas that make you, I'm here to make you uncomfortable. You know, so that you can reconnect because before any breakthrough, there comes discomfort. Right. So it's in the, and my discomfort is all for a purpose. <laughs> it is just making you, you know, and it's, it's me sharing my vulnerable moments so that you can be open to sharing with yourself, acknowledging your own vulnerability, because that's how stories are truthful and compelling. When people know that you are coming from a real place that you're not talking at us, but you're including us, that you're not talking from a surface uh, place, that you're, you're speaking from the depth of your own experiences. And so that is my aim, that you uh, reassess your internal narrative. What are those skewed narratives that you're holding on to that are not serving you? You know, we want to write them down and combat them with new ideas with new ways of thinking about yourself with new narratives that serve you in this purpose in this walk that you're about to take we all about to take a walk so i need you to get ready so we can do that together okay listen Woo. <laughs> you know you you definitely were supposed to be a pastor <laughs> you are the first lady of my tabernacle i don't care what you say because Hallelujah. I was like, I had to pause for a second. I was like, wait, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm shooting a show. Let me get back into it because as a person who's wrote songs and it was funny cause I was thinking about this song I wrote and it's, I mean, you, you went to a place that was so personal and the song is called fly so high. And for the, maybe the five people that actually know it, <laughs> um, that's five more. That's five right, more. Right. Right. And it's one of the darkest, most crazy times. And it kind of translates to now because, um, I was working and I wasn't getting paid for three months and I was showing up to work every day and my boss was super hard, but I, I still believed in his company. I loved working in events, still do. 
and yeah. um but it just goes to show that like and i still have such an attachment to this song and for you to yeah. even submit it means that you had some like you knew it was good but you're like oh, like even when people listen to it because i i know that the production of it was not proper i needed to have the right production but the song was it's still powerful yes. to me personally everybody loves their own baby right you know everyone's baby right. is beautiful right. and gorgeous right. but <laughs> Um, right. And then if you share, if you still have that level, like you said, it's a matter of you like put your passion into the art, you know, like yeah. if you put it there. So it got, that got a little personal because, you know, Amen. and just to see that it was on Queen Chick, I mean, come on. That's, that's a great, that's a great story. Okay. Yeah. I need, I need cool. more because that I'm, I'm a, I want the book right <laughs> now, you know, Yay. that's, let me just say one, one thing. I just want people to know, because I, I think, you know, we look at, um, you know, our, our position mm -hmm. from having, not having, um, right. but really it's a matter of you can't be counted if you don't submit it in every way you cannot be counted. It can't be counted. If you don't submit to your own gift, if you don't submit the work that you've done, if you don't trust that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks that your work matters, you know? And so I think I just, I want everybody to know that, like, start there and understanding that, you know, the process of this thing could be overwhelming. We will talk ourselves out of starting Ooh. because we're afraid of the process, mm. but the process only takes two minutes of starting. You are already in the process. If you did one thing today, right. To move your career forward, right? right? The process doesn't have to look like a year and 10 months, which is what it took me to do this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the process could be your five seconds that you poured into yourself. So it's like, I think we've gotten so used to other people validating, to other people pushing, that this is the time now we have to do that for ourselves. Right, 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 right. Oh my, that is so <laughs> true. I mean, because it, everybody's like, oh, it takes so much money. Oh, it takes so much that. And it's like, you know what? Just, just, yeah. Start. Utilize all, all those things she just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Um, so yeah. And so that's one of the principles or was that kind of like two or three? Cause that was like, I oh. feel like that was a co combination ah! of some things. Okay. I'll give you the, the way they're written. Okay. So that for the clarity of it all, they're called seeds of victory. Mm. Number one, don't outsource your win. Devon Franklin was the first person that said, don't outsource your faith. And it helped me to recalibrate so that when I walked into meetings, I was not asking permission to be there or to exist in what I know I was born to do because I did the work to approve myself long before I got in front of you. So pre-approve yourself before you leave the house, before you contribute to whatever that thing is, pre-approve yourself. Number two, don't wait to access the energy in the room. Bring your own. You lost five minutes if you try to figure out what everybody thinks about you. You are the energy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all can't see me probably, but I'm looking around. I'm like, is she in my house? Oh my <laughs> gosh. This is, this is turned into a seat of own personal uh, life coaching session. <laughs> I love that. I love okay. It. No, no, let's keep um, it going. Keep it going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other one is no, uh, show up and be present. No one can show up for you. Mm -hmm. No one can show up like you. And now this time is about showing up for yourself while you're by yourself. You know, what does that look like? Wow. We, I mean, some people, you may have your dog, you may have, you know, your family, your significant other, but when you spend your quiet moments, how do you show up for yourself? How do you serve yourself? Mm -hmm. um, and another one is no matter what, make it count. Your point of view, your delivery, your space, and your gift. Make it count because nobody else is going to qualify you. You've already been qualified. So mm -hmm. we go in looking for someone else to verify us, which takes me back to, I mean, this is off the record, but mm -hmm. you know, when you look at the verification process of Instagram, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> and you know, I think I've submitted like a couple times mm -hmm. and they're like, sorry, you just don't. You don't measure up. Right, right, and right, so, right, right. Someone actually had a whole C. Devone Instagram account 
And my friends are like, use it to get verified. And they still didn't verify me afterwards. I'm like, but someone is acting like C. Devone. Doesn't that make me like a celebrity in my head? And they're like, uh, no, bitch. <laughs> you know, no. Right. So but... it's like, but for me, I'm still, I'm still doing the work, mm-hmm. regardless of who verifies it. And that's what I'm just saying to everybody. You know, I've seen, you know, working for Clive Davis, when you see the work that he puts in, and never rest on his past laurels. He didn't rest on what he did yesterday. Today was a new day, mm-hmm. right? So as much as I want to be like, you know what? Hey, I was able to uh, be a part of a team that could collectively, you know, take Lil Nas to this point in his life. You know, it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> what else you doing? What else you yeah. got? You know? And mm-hmm. so I really believe that, you know, it, it took me such a, a long time, I think, and maybe not... In, the way we look at time, maybe it wasn't long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept going between um, believing and disbelieving that I was supposed to be the messenger for these words, mm. you know? And it was, why do I think that somebody wants to hear this? Have I really reached a point where, you know, I am to be the deliverer of this? Mm-hmm. And so once I got past the constant kind of like, back and forth with the Lord, I understood that this was part of my assignment and it's greater than me. And I believe, and I've said this um, to several people that once you understand your force, you'll stop hating on other people who know their force. You'll be obedient to your call, which will be a deliverance for somebody else's, you know? And so we're all connected. And I just believe that sadness and disappointment is because we haven't figure out, figured out what we offer. You, you know what I mean? Oh, yes. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that is that type of clarity. I think if everybody had it, there mm-hmm. would be more joy. Right. There would definitely be more joy. And that's the purpose of the show. That is, yes, I really, I really enjoyed that. But the, I guess a, a better question is how are you feeling right now with, corona right now (laughs) like like with everything that's going on right now um you know i like the fact that you said to really take this time to like get to know yourself and to really Mm -hmm. understand like your purpose and like you know what you bring to the table your room just you on your own but like how are you feeling how are you balancing your career relationships your health right now are you yeah going to the gym are you just trying to focus on this book are you just it's funny everybody's been saying the same thing they're like um i'm eating whatever i want i'm eating cookies girl i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you y'all i made a donut at 3 a.m last night from scratch because i like to cook everyone who follows me knows you I, from and, and you know what you said something earlier and you're like you know just something that like you naturally do who you are and i am i always say like i'm a creative and i'm a creative and like it's so funny because no bullshit like if you leave me alone for 10 minutes you'll come back and i'll be like be making something whether yes. it's like all right can we have some let me make a mask or let me learn how to do faux locks or let me you know like (laughs) you know my guy's like um i want some coconut ice cream i'm like yeah hold on let me let me i'm I'm literally like oh i'll make it this saturday he's like wait what and i'm like yeah let's just make it like let's just go ahead and make it like one i like to know what's in my food i I feel like this is one of the (laughs) This is one of yeah. the ways I feel like I am being healthier by cooking yes. everything myself. Yes. The reality yes. is no, like it's still terrible. However, I think that this is consciously helping me for when things go back into the status quo that now I know what's in food. I know what it takes to make ice cream. I know what it takes to make jambalayas and cakes and cookies because, yep. but you know, when you see, oh, I just had one cookie. No, you had an egg, you had a cup of sugar, you had all that. You wouldn't eat that separately, right? right but now that right. you're cooking it, I'm more, even sushi, I was like, oh, I thought this was healthy. This is so not, it has sugar and vinegar and process, you yeah. know, stuff that's yeah. fermented. And it's like, oh, this is not that healthy. But mm-hmm. it goes back to like who you are and all these things. But I love how everyone's like, healthy shit. You know what? I take a Zumba class online, but the reality of it is I'm about to eat whatever the hell I want. Whatever brings you comfort. And that's why I said, be kind to yourself and have grace. But I just want to know like how you're doing and how you're coping right now 
during these times. You know times. what? I think um, this book has been like a great distraction. Right. Like, I don't think that I would have, I think I would have still been like, you know, kind of going back and forth between when was a good time to release, kind of giving myself, because you're never really complete. Right. You never really finish. Right. right. It's kind of like this feeling of like, when is the album really complete? When is the book? Because you, you're living. If you are fortunate enough to keep living, then you have new experiences that you want to continue to add to the book. And so really mm-hmm. what you're getting is the newest iteration of where I am, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I I wonder what it would be for me if I had not had this as kind of like what has been my main focus. But I will say that um, there was a couple of weeks that I did get up and I did a little like workout with... Um, who did I do the workout with? <laughs> Effect Fitness, which is in Atlanta. They mm-hmm. go hard. Oh, I think I and think then, I, did, I did that. Yes, yes. With the, with my, the, I don't have a brick, but I, but, I go yes, with it. My bestie definitely told me, you know what? I think I may have taken their class in yes. in, in person. Now you have me thinking, are they like in a garage or something? I'm they trying. started, I think that's where they started. And now it's like this big open kind of like space that they have. But my girl, Antoinette, who... Um, yeah, she was the one that put me onto it. But I only did it a couple of times, okay? You know what? Like 9 a.m. That's so funny. But, my best friend, they think they have a 9 a.m., like a 5.30 or something yes, like that. My yes. best friend has been on, I mean, she's been on it every day. She's she's so funny. I hope she listens. And she's just like, girl, I woke up, and I don't like this fat on me, so I'm about to get fine. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Everyone says that as we eat cookies. Yeah. She has been on the nine o'clock, the five thirty. She is. I no- love it. Oh, no, it's not a game. Yeah, it's not a game. But you know, I also feel like there was a day because, um, you know, I, m- all my family's in Chicago, and mm-hmm. so um, I do have um, some cousins here. You know, but they implied this. The people implied this to Inglewood. They ain't really coming to uh-huh. the, you know the valley. <laughs> and so um, there was one day I was talking to. Um, my marketing team, um, shout out to St. Miles and they, I had been sending them the book cover Mm -hmm. for Amazon. And I believe that Amazon rejected the dimensions like four times. Mm -hmm. And then the final time when they sent it back, I just broke down, but I don't think it was just about the dimensions. I think it was like, Yo, it was like it had just all kind of come to a head. And I remember like going out to the balcony and right below me, there are like two big like posters of, I think it's um to advertise the Edinburgh space, which is um, a museum here. And on those posters, one has Michael B. Jordan and then another one has Lupita. And I was like, I was standing there and I was, in tears and I just kept looking back and forth at both of their pictures and I was like surely if this was that easy then everybody would be doing it like I wonder and it started making me think how did they get they didn't get to where they are without having to push through and then I was like well bitch you just did a you just did a chapter called the power of the push through read your own book how did you feel that day go back to that you don't feel it today but what did you feel when you wrote it you know, go back to that time. And so I had to push myself through. And so I think that, um, you know, make every day I have a one o'clock call with my sister and mom who my sister's in London and my mom's in Chicago. We do a uh, FaceTime. And so um, that happens. And so that keeps me just very connected. I just sent a newsletter to the family about what I needed them to do. And, you know, kind of highlighting some of the family members that are doing really wonderful things. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's that it's taking the time, like tomorrow, like when we were talking, I, I had said to myself, I committed to myself, you're not going to do anything Sunday. I was like, you're going to rest, which I am so like gullible because I will go back on my own word. Oh, I mean, we all do. (laughs) And so I was like, you know, granted when we were talking, I was like, Oh no, don't push me up. Now if push had to come to shove and that was the only day Mm -hmm. we could do, I would have made it happen. But it is also just trying to keep my commitment to myself and most importantly is now I sit down and eat (laughs) before I was standing and eating quick and now I sit down without a computer without a phone and I just watch tv and eat like I wasn't doing that like I was standing I was like throwing things in my mouth sometimes I don't even eat until 4 30 which I was like oh that's kind of like 
you know, um, the intermittent fasting, but it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> you sound like <laughs> me. I'm, I'm intermittent fasting because I, my first meal is at four o'clock. And then what did I just say? I made a what? A 3 a.m. donut because now I don't whack myself, you know, out of a schedule. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's great. So. And, it, and it's and, and it goes back to the power of words. And basically, like when you get off track, like this is the time for everyone to just write down how you feeling, write down those ideas that come to you. For me, I have a lot of anxiety that just I don't know, this newfound anxiety that I have. And a lot of it comes from one do i have a job am i going to be able to work all this money and next is like i come up with sometimes just a lot of ideas and they're just Mm -hmm. really funny and then i start thinking of videos and content and even though i don't put out a lot of like video content per se um sometimes i just think about it and maybe i want to just give it to someone else you know so it just goes uh just to show that um that you have to write it down and to commit to these things and to look at it sometimes it's like even I I've been saying every week that I write out what I'm cooking at every day so when I'm the 3 a.m. donut was not a part of it because one it's Monday through Friday I, the weekends I can go and do what we want you know but Monday through Friday I write out you know smoothie for breakfast the lunch the dinner everything I have not gotten off course like this leftovers it's been really great but it helps to just take that one thing of like, what are we eating again? All right. You know, um, and it's just one more thing off my list. But every time I see, I go back to, okay, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Why yeah. can't we do that for life? Why now I've been trying to put the workouts on there, but I don't always go back to it. But now that we have training 1 PM Monday, Wednesday, Friday with my group that we're committed to. Aha. Mm-hmm. Now we have that portion yeah. where we are, you know, so, commit to the schedule commit to things um but the book getting back to it it's not um it's only paperback right now right okay you can't get the ebook okay yep. i was trying and to it's look- on amazon okay i was trying to look for the ebook i'm like okay i'm getting the ebook because oh, i saw yes. the paperback and i was like oh i gotta wait like a couple days for it oh, oh no yes. but if i can get okay. the ebook that yeah I'll send you the link for that. Oh my, oh my gosh. I would love it. So, and hopefully that you guys can look out so we can get it on Amazon anywhere else. Give us your socials, everything. Yeah, you can get on Amazon. We're working on some other platforms, but I really just wanted to focus right now on one. Um, my Instagram is KJ Rose effect. Um, and my Twitter is KJ Rose effect. My Facebook is Kiana KJ Rose Henson as well as my LinkedIn, Kiana KJ Rose Henson. Let me, Boom. I need to put that link down. Like my LinkedIn, you know, I love that. <laughs> oh yes. Thank you so much for sharing. I of mean, I can course. go on and on and on, but I thought to just keep it towards like some of these, you know, this, the world is your stage right now. Like, yes. How yes. are we going to perform Amen. in it? And something I wrote down too was like, when you think about, since we're talking about music or music, men and my mental, it's like, it goes back to like, we remember Coachella. We remember Rolling Loud if we're performing, right? Whether we're singing or producing. We remember those big shows, right? The Grammys. But remember when you were in that hole in the wall? Remember when you were in that, you know, you couldn't sell 10 tickets to that event? Um, this is kind of like Corona. Like, <laughs> you know, like this is, if this may be the stage that you're in. It doesn't mean that you're in that stage of life, but this is the actual performance that you're in. We're not at the Coachellas. We're not at the Grammys right now. We may be in the little local bar just trying to get an audience, but we still have to show up. We still have to be there. And I remember hanging out with a lot of comedians and they try out some of the best content in these small hole in the walls. When you, if you ever hung or been around Dave Chappelle, like he, does he goes to all these little spots sometimes in New York and stays up to the wee hours of the night and he goes there, he performs for free. You know, he tests out this content before it probably goes to the stage, you know? So it goes back to just performing, whether it's the Grammys, whether it's the Chitlin Circus, whether it's the, you know, the bar without, that it, that doesn't even have a liquor license, yep. <laughs> you know? Agreed. So, yep. amen. So yeah, so yeah. So, Thank you so much, KJ. Thank and you what, for having and me. outside of the book, I just I'm so scared to know what artist that you're going to be working with because you're just I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just I'm open. I'm just 
open to whoever God brings me. I'm open to jumping. Um, what, whenever I get a chance, I'm open to shocking systems of whoever I get a chance to work with. And so, yeah, it's just, I am just staying, remaining, um, in a space that keeps me fluid and keeps me, um, uh, moving in his will. Hey man, woo child. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't even wait to listen back to this podcast. I can't, I can't wait for the editing process just so I can listen to the words and yes. read the book. Um, so as we're closing out, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, KJ Rose, the KJ Rose effect. And I love what you have in the background of as we're, you know, we're recording no matter what, make it count. So uh, that's that. I guess that's your homework for this week. Yes. Um, right. Thank you guys for tuning in to Music Men and My Mental. I'm C. Devone. Thank you to KJ Rose. And we'll see you next time. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave feedback. Um, you know, my, my good friend said, you know what? You don't ask anything for people. Um, you know, you don't sell anything to people on your show about yourself. And I'm like, I just want people to, you know, just to love the podcast and just to get something out of it. So I'm not asking you much, but if I can ask you anything, just share it. You know, tell some, tell a friend, tell a friend. And um, thanks for tuning in at Music Men and My Mental on Instagram, you know, www. and all of that. So thank you guys, and I will see you next time. Thank you.